Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You are a stand-up comedian. I mean, you run with the best of them. Like, you have been with Chelsea Handler, Kevin Hart. You're on all these shows. Were you on HBO Girls? Is that right? Yeah. Like, the true. show? Yeah. God, you're <laughs> Strangely so cool. as myself. You were? So you were, like, the comedian Ophira was on the show? I was. Uh, it was The Moth, which is a... Um, so it was the... Hannah's character came to the moth, which is a storytelling show and a podcast and a radio show that is very, very popular throughout America and the world. And so I, I've hosted a great deal of these live shows. So I hosted that uh, show that was, you know, for the for the television show as myself, which was kind of interesting to say your real name. How was that? How was that <laughs> being yourself on a, a hit TV show? Like, I mean, that much, natural? much easier, much easier. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, is anyone going to tell me that I'm not in character? I right. guess not. <laughs> yeah. And do you really have a script or did you just kind of wing it? Yeah, there were some markers of what to hit, but not really. Yeah, it was a lot more like, all right, you know what you're doing, right? And anytime anyone ever says to you that is such a great compliment. And also you have to have that moment of, I better know what I'm doing. Okay. So do you get to a point where you actually know what you're doing? Cause I've been thinking about that lately. And like, I've been podcasting for a long time interviewing mm-hmm. people, but I don't have like any like training as a host other than I've been in the entertainment industry as like a singer oh. as on a TV show, all these stuff. But like, I have like life training, but like, I don't ever, I never like learned how to do anything. Did you learn how to be a comedian or do you just like, do you just like become one? What, how does yeah. that happen when like I th- all of a sudden you are knowing what you're doing? Right. I think it's, I mean, it's very different for everybody else. And I, I did overhear someone 
saying this was, I, I feel like a, a intern that was showing someone around a, a performance space. And I heard her saying to her friend, it doesn't matter if you're not a writer, you just start saying that you're a writer. And I was like, that is so not the mentality I grew up with. That wasn't even the way we, that would be like arrogance or misinformation, like the way we think of things now in the kind of um, different avenues to uh, realize your dreams and just even have any kind of sense of self. It's a totally different language. So what was your language? What did you- my language was you? Well, for stand up, I would say it's that is an ongoing process. I mean, it was like, what did you think you were a stand up? Ongoing process. <laughs> uh, ongoing process means some might say it's when you got your first paid gig or someone might say it's when someone you really respected, you know, kind of gave you a compliment or when you were on a particular show of st- of stature that made you feel like, oh, I'm in the real game. And I've certainly had all of those feelings. But I think the truth is, is that you are continuously a- answering that question in different ways. And you should be like, I don't think it should be anxiety written. Shouldn't be like, am I, am I not? There should just be new reasons for you answering that I am this all the time. Mm. that feel good because some of the other things stop working. Like, let's say it's like, oh, I'm a podcast host because such and such company is paying me a thousand dollars. I don't know. Just making up a number to do a thing. So that that's my marker. But then maybe 20 episodes later, you're like, well, that doesn't do it. That doesn't get me up in the morning. You got to have all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it sucks that everything has to be constantly you working to redo it. (laughs) Well, especially like if you're in the world of creatives, which you are, I am. And it's like, it's wonderful because it's always evolving. So, you know, and we get to be the ones to evolve it, but it's also, it's like, it's, it's such a different life than people who work like a nine to five and they clock in. It's like, cause it's freedom, but it's also so unstable at the same time because you really don't ever know what's happening when something's going to totally fall apart, when something's going to totally fall together. I love what you have done with your journey though, because a, I just want you to know being a stand-up comedian to me is, would be like the worst pun. Like it'd be <laughs> like, if someone said you have to do this for the rest of your life, because you have been a terrible person, it would be, be a stand-up comedian because to me, y'all, Punishment. Are the, <laughs> yes, y'all are the ballsiest people on the planet to stand up there. Like you have just the, you have to be, you have to be, I feel like born this way or something. Cause like to stand up in front of people share my soul, make it funny, and then have people laugh. Like, oh my God, that is so much pressure, Ophira. Like it is so a lot of pressure. Pressure. What if they don't laugh? What if they make fun of your vulnerability? Like what if it's just a, awful? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> correct. Um, all of those things. Well, you don't combust into flames. So as soon as you get over that part, you're like, oh, it just sucks. Uh, you know, and everyone's going to fail. That's the other thing. There's just no way not to have a bad show. Even people who are the top of their game have a bad show or an off night or they didn't hook into the audience. Just oh, things, yeah. You know, live, you live is crazy. Like yeah. live is spontaneous. Just I think as you go on the percentage of like real catastrophes, get smaller like based on your own performance because you just know it a little bit more or you can mask it or mm-hmm. you can do all kinds of 
things. But yeah, it is a still high failure rate. And I, it's so funny you said that about like, what if people make fun of your vulnerability? Yes. Because, ah, that is so good. So I see, I think they're, I love storytelling, which is kind of a different genre where you're doing more of a narrative story about your life. It can be funny. It can also be poignant and sad. And I feel like that's um, that is a place where you it's designed for you to show off your vulnerability. Instead, it isn't necessarily designed for people on stage to show off their vulnerability because you have to maintain authority. And I got to tell you, as a woman. It has been a long journey of standing on that stage and saying to an audience of different, all different people, all different ages, saying, I am in control. Oh, yeah. To walk on that stage and be like, I'm here, not just here. You bought money to be here. And I'm yeah. going to tell you, not you bought money, you paid money. I yeah. am going to rule this room. And you are going to get in sync with me and I am in charge of this whole room. That is like, that's a big bill. Yeah, it does not come naturally to me. Honestly, that part of it, it does not come naturally to me. I have to get myself there. How do you do it? How's your prep? I mean, there is, um, there is, I won't curse, obviously, but there is a Judy Garland uh, myth. I've, but it, I think it has been fact-checked that supposedly before she would go on stage, she would grasp either side of the velvet curtain and she would say out loud, like, F them, F them, F them, and then just throw it open and go on stage. Oh, I love that. Just gearing up that energy force field. <laughs> but it is a little bit like you know, sometimes I do all the people in my life will still love me after this. It doesn't matter. I do. Is it scary for the people in your life to be in your life? Because a comedian's (laughs) material is their life. Is any, is no one safe in your world? Oh, I don't know about that. I think, I think people think that, but you know, it's, it's just that standard thing where someone will be like, Oh, you you can use that in your act. And you're like, but how would I use your life as a physiotherapist in my, like, there's a lot of jumps I would have to do to make sense of that. Yes. Um, right. And, and I, I think people like, I, I am so autobiographical that no, it's not that nobody is safe, but it's true. Incidences in my life will definitely make it on stage. And, you know, when I was dating more, now I'm married, I would talk a lot about relationships. That was very important to me and what I like talking about. And I, some, some of the people I dated said, oh, am I going to end up in your act? And I would say, if it's funny, you know, like so far you haven't no. made it in. So <laughs> That's Step on up you. your game. Really? I mean, come on, chop, chop. <laughs> which, yeah. by the way, I think one of the funniest titles I've ever heard is the name of your book, which is your memoir. Screw everyone sleeping my way to monogamy. That's hilarious. And is that based on truth? Like, how did that title yeah. come about? I, you I did- mean, it was a, that was a long process. I remember at the, you know, I'd finished the book and, and it's a much more um, sort of provocative, salacious uh, title then I beat mean, I did have a lot of relationships and some were very casual and some had uh, more time behind them so there's a large variety but uh I I you know people 
people who've read the book said, oh, you know, I, what's your number? And this is not about a number thing. This is about a, a quant. I like to say that I was like a scientist going out into the field. You got to get and, data. That's right. Getting the data to figure yeah. out what I liked, what I didn't like, what yes. worked for me. And in a way that, you know, at the time, again, I think the conversations changed in a positive way. But for a woman doing that, like guys were allowed to play the field. Yeah. Guys were allowed to check out what was out there, but women were not allowed to do that or they would be seen in a very unpopular light. Yeah. And so, but I rejected that. And I was like, no, I, I, I also just liked relationships. Yeah. Of, so, um, that I finished the book and then we needed a title. And I think titles are important. Very, very important. And I think it took a couple months and I have documents of just pages and pages of this title, that title and different variations of all kinds of things. And then I was talking to uh, someone on the phone and I said, I was so frustrated by come by just coming up with the title. And I wanted to be done with this project. And I said, I, I just wanted to say to the agent and everyone that's like, find the perfect title, like to go screw themselves. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, well, didn't you do that? And I was like, huh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe there's something in that. Yeah. I so it just always, it always goes back to you, you, you know, you, all the perspiration that you need to put in this stuff is real. And then something just out of the blue comes and hits you and it's so simple and it's so perfect. Well, and that's always the answer. Like every time I'm trying to figure something out and it gets so complicated, so confusing, I get so lost in it. That's never it. It's because it's, it's always clear. It. It's always clear, right? It's always just like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I too, you know, especially in the creative process, I sometimes get so frustrated with the amount of um, like anguish and struggle I put towards trying to figure something out or, you know, how does this joke work or how does this piece work or why can't I figure this out? And then it finally comes and I I just never trust in that process. I'm still learning to trust the process about like, it's okay. I know this feels frustrating and I know it's going to take time. And it feels like it's taking too long. Like, I think we're all impatient for this like brilliance to happen quickly. Do you think the anguish helps the brilliance come though? Do you have to have the anguish to get those wheels turning? I would love to say no, but so far <laughs> I've, I've seen in myself that I, um, I really, you know, I'm like, I'm like needing, needing very tough bread, mm. uh, trying to get it soft or, you know, massaging a rock or something like that. Yes. And then sooner or later it breaks. Yeah. But, and, and in that process, and I have, uh, you know, I'm working on the idea of like, what if I enjoyed massaging the rock more, which, what if I trusted in, and massaging the rock more and, you know, uh, that, so I, I'm playing with that, but you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just, it's, torture. Just, it's, it's just the torture and then you get to it, get to something. And then it is this elation of like, oh, I love this. Mm. I love doing this. I love feeling this way when I get to this point and I'm now I'm tinkering and mm. I'm thinking about words and I'm thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. that's when that's when I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I do this. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the you whole could process. say it's like going to a gym, right? Sometimes when you go to, to the gym to work out, it doesn't feel good. It feels like sort of hard. You're like, why is this such a hard day at the gym? Why? And that's just part of it. And then all of a sudden you got a six pack of abs. You're like, and oh, then sudden, okay. Yeah. Or you go one me, day but... to, it's super easy because all the work is built up and you're like, oh yeah, because I had to, 
I had to jump on the spot for like 40 different days to get to this one. And that's the thing. That's what I'm loving about your journey. And I love interviewing creatives like yourself because here you are, you have this big national spotlight. We were just talking about, you were on James Corbin. Like he's the carpool karaoke guy. You know what I mean? Like you're on massive talk shows. You're hanging out with the top comedians, but it's not like it's easy to be there. And the bigger overarching message is what I'm starting to realize with people who get to an elevated status like yourself is you really have to have a bigger message at the root of it all. You know, like though you are hysterical and you are funny and you make people laugh, you are speaking a message. And I, and I love that, like you're doing it through comedy, but like, Oh, it's taken all these years to get to this place that you are, but like, you've had something to say or else you wouldn't have stuck with all this and hung in there and gone through the agony of putting yourself in front of people who are sitting there with their arms crossed at the beginning, probably wanting you to fail. So like prove to me that you're funny. You know? Yeah. And also, you know, I think too, when I even just even, even like 15 years ago, being on stage as a woman, you would get up there. There wouldn't be a lot of other women on the show. I mean, we still can do a great amount of improvement with that, but there wouldn't be a lot of other women on the show. And you would look at the audience and they would look at you like they, they felt a little let down. Oh, like they're like, oh, we have a woman coming up here. She's not going to be funny. That's right. So what do you do in that situation? I mean, you you, you just gotta, you just gotta go for it and like win them over, but you are starting in a hole. Yeah. Literally you're starting in a hole. So that, and often, you know, you would be first on the show. Uh, there there was a lot of barriers. There's a lot uh, of things stacked against you. A lot of things stacked against you. And I feel like it's sometimes you, I would just say, don't notice it. Mm. Just pretend not to notice it. And there, you know, we were just talking about pre-show rituals. uh, But I often think now about heading onto that stage like you've already won. Like Mm. that, that works the best. If you can get yourself in that mindset about this is, because when people go to see comedy at a comedy club, they don't research it, right? They go, we're going to go see comedy. Like they might be coming to see you if they did some online research, but just, you know, like the comedy seller in New York, it's all going to be good. Trust me. But people coming there, there to see comedy. But if you were to go see music, you would go, we want to see jazz. We want to see pop. We want to see folk. We want to see acoustic. You would. And then if you, or if you said, well, let's go see a music show. And we, you got there and it was jazz. And you're like, what? Yeah, there's a lot of I'm... there's a lot of categories of music where people just lump comedy into one, but there's a shit ton of categories of comedy. Like honestly, and I oh my know, god, how yes. comedians not get canceled? And the day of cancel culture, we went and saw who was it? C. Lewis, Jerry C. Lewis, is that a guy? Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah, 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 Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay, and I was sitting there. I had no, like you said. I had no idea. I don't really, I don't know a ton of comedians other than my friend, Josh Wolf, who I know, but like, I love Josh. Like I actually love, I can laugh at his jokes and not feel bad about it. But like Jerry (laughs) C. Lewis came on stage and I was like, how are people laughing at this? Like how? But I mean, he had a bigger message. His message when I actually, I went home and I thought about what he said and I was like, okay, he's actually making some really good points for us to think about. But I just could not laugh at the way they were presented because they're so it was so like vulgar in your face like this, these things. But I'm like, okay, he's like calling us out to think deeper, which is great. 
But I'm like, how do comedians not just get canceled all the time? Do you just get a free pass because you're a comedian? Because like... Ongoing discussion, ongoing discussion with cancel culture. I mean, I think there is um, there there is a lot of stuff that just happens in comedy clubs and the like that I go like uh, anything to that to me when it's just very obvious hate towards another group of people. I just think should not be tolerated, nor should it be paid off. Uh, I I do think, you know, if my friend Judy Gold really says it best. And she's written a whole book called like, yes, I can say that. And it's her basic premise is when culture starts attacking the comedians, now we're in trouble. Like this is maybe not where the focus should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and there, because it's, it's, it's not supposed to be news. It's there's still people with a lot of power. And I think if you have the power of the microphone, you got to take it seriously. So there's a lot of stuff that I see out there that I don't love, uh, I don't see a lot in New York, honestly, that I'm like, this is intolerable. I just see a lot that I'm like, yeah, I think that's, you know, poking. I think we're beyond. That's what I think. I go, I thought we were beyond this conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I thought mm-hmm. we were beyond this conversation. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, it, I thought we were beyond it. Honestly, I did think we were beyond it. But we're not. We're not. We're definitely not. not. But that's why, like, I just have so much admiration for comedians because y'all are tackling the hardest conversations and you're going all in on them and you're putting yourself out there. And because it's like you're a philosopher in your own way, because you're saying, here's some topics that are happening that we need to talk about. We're going to make them funny because yeah. this is enough. This is let's make it funny so we can laugh and get people's actual attention. But really, there's real messages that are being transmitted. And so yeah, that, and to make yeah. the hard things accessible. I think yeah. there's that too, to make it accessible. So people are like, oh, I I gloss over that because I don't understand it or it's too hard or I don't want to. But now with the humor, it becomes something accessible. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So what is your mission as a comedian? Because really, you are someone who is informing us about life. And I love your take on motherhood. You had cancer. You did not think you were going to be able to have a child. You ended up miscarrying, which then led you back to the cancer scare. I mean, you, I mean, you've shared all of this and I'm someone who's had like three miscarriages. I've never had cancer or anything, but like, I understand that walk of mother, like the pre motherhood walk, you know, with all the loss loss and all that. Um, but you tackle it head on and you share your story and you really open up a conversation about what a lot of women go through and you make it funny and you also make it understandable. And so it's just like, you are such a a teacher for us. So how do you know (laughs) what you want to teach? Do you just let your life lead you? Did you always know that you wanted to be sharing information with people? Did you know what kind of information or what message you were trying to get out there? I didn't, I don't, didn't know. I will, you know, and I have a story about this on the moth and I do talk about it in certain ways, but I, I also suffered a very tragic car accident when I was a kid. And I think that story of dealing with that and understanding it, uh, coming to terms with it. I've, I have big scars on my body from the surgery when I was a child from that. So it was also a big part of, you know, like I said, I wanted to be in relationships that I was very interested in having um, sex with guys. And then there were these big scars on my body that are not visible. If you just like met me at a bar, let's say. So there was a lot of stuff that I was coming to terms with. And I, I think that was a lot of why I was like, there's a story to tell. There's something I need to get out there, but how do I do it? And you wanted to tell your story instead of having people just judge you for it? Well, there is the control of your own narrative. Exactly. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And as time has passed, and I have a lot more perspective on my life, and I've done a lot of work on myself, you know, now I feel very important about talking about the things that people don't want to talk about because they need it so badly. Anytime I am, uh, and it's hard, I don't always love doing it. I create these pieces and I go, oh, this is really what I want to say and put out there. And then I do, and it's it can be very hard to perform it or tell it. And then, but people come up to you afterwards and they say these things to you, like they were really listening or they took this thing that they were like, no one ever says this. And I felt seen and heard. You know, like that's what it's all about. I want to feel seen and heard. I think people in the audience want to see themselves reflected in some way. Uh, And that's the conversation that makes me feel like, well, it's really the reason I do any of this. It's like when the, it turns into a dialogue with your audience. Yeah. Uh, So even with just talking, like just jokes about being a mom, I feel like that stuff often gets categorized as like, oh, mom, humor, parent, like almost kind of like swept away. Like it is uh, not as cool. And I am very much like, why is when guys talk about certain parts of their life uh, and their own sexual experiences, is that seen as universal? But when I get up on stage and talk about being a mom, it is niche. Why? Mm. Why? Mm. And I don't want, I, and I think it's, I think that's just doesn't make any sense at all. Agreed. So I, I am, uh, I feel very strongly about like, I'm going to, when you over. <laughs> 
<laughs> with this mothering and parenting material. I'm going to win you over with my um, my own experiences of my own body because I know there's people that need this. And guess what? This is universal because of the human experience. Amen to that. So you kind of started off in comedy. You had a traumatic accident that led you to feel something about your own body that probably made you feel, I don't know what was, what just like insecure or just like you needed to understand it. And so then you wanted to be seen and heard, but you wanted to do it your own way. So it started for you to be seen and heard, but now yes. it's turn in to letting everyone be seen and heard through this universal experience. Yeah. As time has gone on and I've, I've now, you know, also I was just so afraid of doing it forever. I was just so afraid because of all the things you said is vulnerable to failure rate. How are people looking at you? It's just purely hard. And so once you get a little bit better, <laughs> once you get over that, then I would just hide behind material that was a little bit easier. So, uh, but everyone does that in the beginning, everyone in the beginning just talks about, you know, very simple things be uh, because it's, it's just e easier. And it's, it's kind of how your brain works. But as time progressed, I started going towards the harder things, mm. stuff that was more personal uh, and trying it, the stories that were living inside of me my whole life that I mm. wanted to tell. And that's, you know, there is nothing more powerful than the truth. Amen to that. And so that's when I just felt like people were leaning in yep. as soon as I was like, you know, I, there's no character up here. There's no artifice. Of course, there's there's craft, and there might even be some hyperbole for comedic effect. But it's the truth, mm -hmm. and then it's so much easier on the part of uh, point of view from the performer, me, because you don't have to worry about being something you aren't yeah. or saying things that you aren't or you don't believe it. It's like it all starts to mesh together. Yes. I mean, I would love to do a character. I think that would be very fun to go out there and just hide oh, behind it. Yes. Right. But that's just not who I am. <laughs> that's just not my path. Did you always know you were funny or is humor something you've developed? I, my, I'm the youngest of six. Whoa. So a little bit of that classic story. Are, where are you in your, are you? I'm the youngest of two. Okay. I have an older sister. And did you guys tell jokes? Oh, we were not a funny household. No, 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 not a, not a lot of a great household. Not a lot of laughing going on. We had more of the quiet, quiet. We were it's, it was more a traditional household. Not, okay. not no, no joking. <laughs> no joking. No so, joking. I'm the youngest of six. There was, you know, I mentioned the car accident to this conversation, but there was many uh, hard things that happened in the family along the way. And, you know, classic. They say comedy is a survival yeah. mechanism and a, and a tactic. And so there there was not a lot of talking about how we felt mm. at home. There wasn't a lot of processing. Matter of fact, it was very much like we don't talk about it at all. But there was a lot of joking around. OK. And I think that was a little bit of the language of love in the house. And because I was the youngest, I didn't get a lot of airtime. Yeah. Oh, okay. Classic, oh yeah. Yeah. You got to get right? in there. You got to get, gotta get in, there. in there. So uh, I mostly was surrounded by it. And then I do remember, I think it was around the eighth grade, maybe it was the sixth grade that there was some photocopied jokes, like just random, you know, what we call street jokes, like jokes that people tell each other that someone had passed around and I brought it home and I read it at a family dinner and uh, people laughed mm -hmm. and it felt, it felt like I had 
I had the I had the space for the first time. People were like this, like yeah, just they eating look- your word. Whereas before you were trying to get a word in edgewise, and now people were like, couldn't wait to hear what you had to say next. Yeah. And I was in, you know, I was uh, in yeah. with the, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, it clearly stuck with me. I did not, I did not pursue stand up for a long, long time. I went to college and got my illustrious cultural anthropology degree. Oh, go girl. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, assumed I would become an academic of sorts. I wasn't really sure, but then, then I took a deep, dark turn into the world of stand up. When did and even that... when I started, yeah, even when I started, I sabotaged myself for a couple of years because I was so scared. When did the dark turn happen? When did you say, okay, I'm out on anthropology, I'm in on stand-up, I'm going hard? Going hard, I would say it was about five years out of college. So I, I was just doing a different jobs, kind of wandering around, doing open mics. I befriended other standups that were starting. There was a very specific process at the time of like when you call in to try to get on, you called in. That's that's like it, you didn't even text or, or email your avails, but that's what you do with the club. You send them your avails and you hope they book you once they've invited you to do that. Uh, and I would get it wrong. I would do it on the wrong date. I like just all these kind of classic sabotage because I knew it would be hard. Yeah. Yeah, and I was a I was a little bit afraid of what that commitment would mean for my life, just practically. What has it meant? Because you stuck with it, and here you are now. Oh like, my god! Literally it's at the top of your so field. much work, so much work. What is it so like? Yeah, what what has what has the journey looked like? And I'm sure the lessons that you have gathered about human beings along the way have just been like you could never learn that unless you lived it. Yeah. I mean, audiences are an organism to themselves and you can have, and and then obviously, you know, I don't know if this is obvious, but comedy audiences are drinking. So you just also see those effects in whatever way it comes. And, you know, people, people, you, it's nice when someone has a glass of wine, you know, before you get on stage, just in the sense that, I mean, if you're sober, that's great too, but I'm just in the sense that there is a sort of, uh, they just, there's a relaxing, there's a little bit of a lack of inhibitions that makes people just feel like they can let loose and laugh. Yeah. Uh, a few in is when they can't hear you anymore. Right, right. There's a sweet spot. What does my husband, my husband says, a martini. Uh, one's not enough. It's like titties. One's not enough and three's too many. <laughs> exactly. I think like Dorothy Parker. Sounds like he sounds like a. a he quoted that from somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, I also I started too before there was an idea that you could just throw yourself out there on Instagram or TikTok or even just Twitter. So it was um, it was a very in-person experience. You know, there was television. Obviously, I'm not that old, but no, there was a lot of comedy on television, but. When I started it, like really taking it seriously in 2000, people did not like comedy. Mm. Like I had friends that would literally, I would say, would you come to my comedy show? And I was new and they would say, I don't like comedy. Just all of it. Uh, Just the whole thing. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think like there was the eighties comedy and then the nineties comedy was a little bit of a, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like popular, like the eighties was and then 2000 no one really knew what it was but at what came out of that was some amazing people and some amazing stuff and different ways of thinking 
and then I think podcasts, honestly, I think podcasts really made comedy popular again. Okay. Cause everyone really could, could get their own perspective out there and anyone can yeah. kind of find what they're looking for. Exactly. I really think it was like a huge, huge help. So I, but I reinvented myself so many times because I started in Canada and then I moved to New York. So I wanted to live in New York and make it in New York, not knowing that uh, when you move to New York, I mean, for me, I didn't start at zero. I started at like negative 10. And so any of the credits I had in Canada were meaningless. Nobody knew who I was. It was just back to the bottom. Very humbling very, very humbling. And people here were good, like really good. So it was- I'm sure it's the cream of the crop in New York. Yeah. So good. So sharp. So good. And there's a lot of people uh, and a a lot of them and not enough spaces for everybody. Right. So it's just like carving your way in New York because it can be such a transient place, really. Like people can zoom in here for a while and then zoom out for different reasons that it's a, it is a a place built on relationships. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, you would zoom in and people would be like, do I, do I need to know you? How long are you going to be around? Right. Right. Assessing. Are you really going to be relevant? Do I need to invest in you? (laughs) I don't know. Exactly. I'm going to give you a courtesy five minutes, but then I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was a lot of like, you know, uh, again, only one woman would be booked per show. So like what that would feel like. And then there was just the ongoing conversation of are women funny? Do we have to have a woman on the show? Mm. Like getting up front of audiences and then being like, oh, God, we got the woman. And and then, you know, and just uh, and having to go and figure that out. And like right. I said, it, it has gotten better over time. It still ha- could be so much better, uh, but it has gotten like exponentially better. And I do think now when there is only one woman on a, a sort of st- classic stand up show. I think there's people in the audience that are like, why aren't there more women in the same way that they could be like, why aren't there more people of color? Why aren't there more people who identify, you know, with different sexual orientations? I think the best shows now aren't nine white guys with hoodies on. Right. It's the most diverse audience and the most diverse cast on stage. That's promising. Yeah, I think. And there's a few shows that do that. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're and that's like building. I think still we're very niche. Like we're, it will just be like, oh, I want to see, you know, I want to see uh, a guy talk about cats. And you can kind of find that. <laughs> so, But I actually think that in the real performance world, the best shows are the most diverse, the most different perspective that makes like this incredible show. So those are the ones that I like to be part of. So you've really pulled the veil off of what's behind the scenes when it comes to entertainment. Like you have been there, you've been on the big stages, you've been with all the biggest people in your field, you've been on TV, hit TV shows. You have, you have everything you do is a hit. You have a book, you you have a new podcast called Parenting is a Joke, which I love that you're tackling parenting on the podcast. Like you said earlier, I love that you're going all in on mothering and parenting. I love that. But what have you realized if you were going to explain it? What have you realized it all is about? Because, and I feel like now in this like TikTok generation where everyone mm. is, you know, has a, a, a very easy way to express themselves, like 
it's getting fame and like celebrity is kind of dying off, you know? Right. You know, it's not like there's just these people who've made it and they're the ones we look to now. It's kind of like you can become hugely influential just on TikTok now or something. You know, it's like you don't Absolutely. even have to have this status anymore that like you used to. Like when I moved to Nashville, like everyone wanted to get a record deal to make it in the music industry so they could become a star. And it's like, yep. yes, that still that pathway still exists, but that's now just one of the many pathways. And there's so many people of influence now. So yeah. what have you what is your take on influence? What is what is going on with influence? Everyone is wanting to influence. Do you think it's just now everyone has something to say and but now there's places to say it? Because like I've always felt like I had something to say too. That's why I've been drawn to the entertainment industry. Same yeah. as you. But it's like, what is this now? Like, are we, how do we get messages anymore? How do we understand, like, how do you sift through all this and being on, seeing the full spectrum of what fame is, what success is, what this, is that even what the goal is anymore? Cause like, I feel like it used to kind of be the goal to like get successful, but now since success is measured so differently, like what is so the goal different. with all of this expression? Yeah, I I do right. We're at, we're at a really interesting little um, time that I and I do think it will change very quickly because you're right. The the amount, the just the pure amount is extraordinary. And how do you uh, other than these? I mean, I was just talking about last night because we were talking about TikTok and talking about how well getting the algorithm to work for you, right? So that's what. That's the magical algorithm is just curating our taste. So we are getting fed what we want in theory. Uh, so that's like a channel. So that's like kind of niche. So then that's one way to filter it. And then any everybody is out there doing their thing, trying to achieve fame. And what is that? And, you know, I it? just, what have, is it? With the veil being lifted, like you're someone who is the veil has been lifted from fame. You know what it is. You've been up close and personal with it. You have a relationship with fame. What is it? Like, what is this thing of fame? Yeah, I think, you know, I I think for many people, I mean, I don't know that extreme fame, uh, like a Kevin Hart fame, but for many people, it is just validation, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think there's some people that really like uh, crave fanship, but and that's a different thing, like having but the validation of what you are doing is so important that it is like loved by an extraordinary number of people. Uh, of course, as we know, that that can be also just so detrimental and it ruins people's lives. And I have I am no I'm no stranger to feeling like, oh, my goodness, this is too hard. This is too much. Am I any good at this at all? I mean, I've had projects fail. I've had projects canceled. Uh, and then you have to start all over again and reinvent yourself and figure it out all over again. You wonder, do I have anything that's worthwhile to anyone? Because this, how this works is I put it out there and people need to consume it in order for me to do it or else I'm just journaling, right? <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah. Right? And so there has to be this thing. And I always come back to what you were just saying, which is I just go, why, why do this at all? Why? Why? You got to do this why? at all. And the, I, I think to myself, do you still have something you need to say? Mm. Is there something still inside of you that you feel like 
you need to say, because when you stop feeling like you have anything you need to say, that's when you stop. But until then, you got to do it and just decide what medium it fits in best. Is what you need to say right now, is that a theatrical piece? Is what you need to see right now a stand-up show? Is what you need to see right now a podcast? Or is it a series of short videos? But you, because I think the stuff that I like on the in the digital world, on the Instagram, I'm always like, this person kind of loves doing this. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you're just like, oh, someone's just trying to be famous. But when you see the people that I'm like, I think they love doing these videos. I think they get up in the morning and they have an idea. And they're excited. And they're excited about it. And that's why that medium is working for them. Agreed. You have to love it. It translates. You have to love it. It totally translates. And maybe you can pull it off. You know, you could not love it and you can pull it off. But uh, to me, it's just so easy to see the difference. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. What are you loving talking about right now? I think I am loving. So there's a couple things that I'm loving talking about, uh, which is, you know, I know you talk about a lot of this on the show, but the idea is failure rate and success rate of the positive affirmations in the world. I feel like never before has there been this kind of conversation about positive affirmations. I think in the past, this idea of like like looking yourself in the mirror and being like, you're great and people love you. You know, this kind of self-esteem was a thing. And also maybe 
ridiculed a little bit, seen as ridiculous. And now we talk a lot about manifesting and a lot about, um, you know, really always considering your self-worth. And I find it very interesting. And I, I talk about it with friends. I talk about it on stage, all kinds of different ways, because part of me goes, wow, this is so symbolic of the place we are in, in the world. And part of me goes, let's make sure that nobody's convincing us that we have to do all the work. Maybe society has to do a little bit of this work. Okay. You know, I want I want to put a little bit on society. I don't know if I every day have to, I, I always am working on my self-worth and I'm always like thinking about where I want to go next. And I love goal making and I'm a to-do list nut and they are aspirational. But I'm also sort of like, yeah, maybe there should be some systems in place. Yeah. So not everyone has to feel like they are independently in charge of it. Okay. How, what could those systems be? Good question. Uh, I mean, then I think much more like on a social justice level, which there could be, there just could be more ways for people to feel supported by mm -hmm. the, by the economy, by being paid fair wages. I think about the medical field a lot as someone who is basically a product of science because I've been put together so many times. Just think about affordable healthcare, how, you know, I, I do know of so many artists who have to retain some sort of corporate job because of healthcare. Yeah. And how, what would their life look like to flourish? Right, right, right. If that wasn't a thing. I don't have an easy answer to these right. hugely um, systemic problems. But sometimes I worry that we put too much on ourselves. Yeah, agreed. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, uh, I think there's also a conversation about asking for help. And I think I'm someone that's really bad at that, really bad at that, because I go in that thing where I'm like, I'm just going to do everything myself. I've done everything myself my entire life. So I'm going to do everything myself. But then when I look around, I go, you know, who's asking for help? The guys are asking for help. I think like the, these people are asking for help. And I think sometimes you, 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 that's like, could be a whole open door. I like helping people. When someone asks me for help, my first thought is never, ugh. Right. I'm always like, huh, interesting. Sure. Let's see what we can do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of, anyways, there's, the, the, I answered your question with like a global answer. My, my apologies. Hey, Miss Congenia, <laughs> I'm going to vote you for Miss America. You would have crushed that answer on stage. <laughs> Literally. Oh yes. yeah, the pageant. The pageant. You, I have a huge, huge scar on my stomach. If I could come out in a bikini with a huge scar on my stomach and crush a pageant, let me tell you, that would be a new world. That's a wouldn't world that be I'd awesome. Like to live in. You know what? I feel like we could be getting close to a world like that. We could be getting close to a world like that. We could. Because I so that is the one other thing I like about where we're going. And I don't know the greatest way to say this, but it's like it's okay not to be okay. I like that. Yes. And I find this in comedy a lot that the idea of whatever mainstream idea of what, you know, normal is or being okay has been shattered. Yeah. There is no normal. What is normal? What? Nothing. Nothing is normal. Nothing. And so there's room, there's so much room for people to feel empowered by just who they are. Mm. And what they've experienced and that they, you know, there's no shame around that. 
And uh, yeah, and even I, I experienced that all, I, I am still working through that. But yeah, it, that's where the courage comes, that where you can access that, then you throw it out there for everybody else in, in a way, like I do stand up, so I'm not, or entertaining. So I'm not throwing it out in like a therapy way or a, or a self-help way. I do it through this way. And then you find that people are like, oh yeah, that's, that is also me. Speaking of courage, I love that. How would you describe what is on the other side of, of fear when you have that courage? Like when you step, when someone who's hearing this podcast and thinking to themselves, man, I want to put myself out there. I have something to say, but I'm scared shitless. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I'm, there's all the ridicule, all the things that you've talked about, all the terrible things will happen when you put yourself out there. Most likely, like yes. you're going to get a taste of it. You're going to get a taste of the terrible. Like it's just yeah. not, in, it's inevitable, especially the more popular you get, the more success you get, the more people oh, yeah. that are going to hate you, that are going to tear you down. It is not some like Wizard of Oz, like snap your feet together and it's like golden roads. Like I feel like the more energy you have behind you, the more momentum's going with you, then it's just like the more people weighing in. So, True. But, but it is also... It, an amazing thing because you are being heard and like what you said in the beginning, like you have to know your why, like, why are you doing this? And if it's just because we, you have a hole in your heart and you need validation, like that can go so far, but like there ultimately has to be a message that you're trying to connect with or make people not feel alone or something. What is on the other side of fear? When you listen to your little voice inside of you that says, you have something to say, get up on that stage and do it. You're going to be scared shitless. They're going to throw tomatoes at you, but you're going to keep going. And then all of a sudden one day you're going to be look back and you're you and you have a book. You've been on TV shows. You've been on the hottest talk shows. Like you're crushing the game, but it's not like it's the cakewalk, but like, why is it worth it? What is on the other side of going through all that? I, I think it is unbelievably satisfying and fulfilling and you feel like you are tethered to the rest of humanity that's mm. what's on the other side and i even yesterday was like oh i don't even want to do this show on friday because it's going to fail and and i was just like here we this is the thing and we all do it and it's so natural to be projecting your failure i mean you know uh no one would ever ever do any of this stuff if they actually listen to their critic you wouldn't even bother trying you wouldn't right. even bother trying so it's taken me years to identify just even that voice your critic that is saying don't do it because it's going to fail and if you if someone your best friend you know i love the the book um untethered soul yes so good and there's there's a lot of like thinking of the the little voices in your head that are nattering on as if they were sitting beside you on the couch. And you would look at that person and just go, well, you are spinning out of control. You don't even know what's going to happen next. Come on, just throw it out there. And through many years of thinking about this, sometimes I go to myself, what if, what if, yeah, let's say uh, it's failure. Let's okay. say there's tomatoes yeah. thrown at me. Honestly. What if it's as let's bad say, as it can be? What if it's awful? What if I'm run out of town? So bad. So bad. But what if it's good? Yeah. What if people like it? Like what, what kind of data? We have no statistics here. You're going to, you're, you're going to make some data 
tomorrow night, Ophira, you're going to figure out what the data on this is because we have no, we have no data to work with right so it's now. Magic. So you're walking in a magic. If, what if? Yeah. And so I try to do a lot of that. What if? And so I, I honestly think, let me tell you, if I got on stage and people were so angry and I was run out of town, that would be fantastic. Honestly, wow. that would be a huge success because somehow you hit people so hard to cause that level of an emotional reaction. Okay. You're clearly onto something. You okay. Clearly onto something. Okay. Uh, it's the it's the middle ground that I think we mostly the lukewarm. worry about. The mediocre. You don't want to be mediocre. You don't want to be mediocre. You got to go big. You got to make a splash. You got to know, you got to go all in for what you're saying. Yeah. Or even some part of it you can sure, but there may be like, you got 10 minutes to talk to someone. Hey, it's okay. Maybe seven minutes of it are going to be, but three minutes of it, you go all in. Okay. You know, give yourself that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's very, very much just so, you know, like, I, I don't know as someone who is a, um, a singer, what you're putting together, like how you are going to approach something. I don't know how you think of that because that's a whole different art, but I know with like a stand-up show, you, you're sort of, you start with like, you're, you're doing a little bit of throwaway. Like you're just trying to get them on your side and then you lead them down a path. And then that's when you want to like get them like by okay. the and then you, you know, you basically want to carry that to the end. But once you have them, then you have something to work with. Yes. Okay. So I love this. How to execute an amazing stand-up show. Like, yeah. Like, how do we do that? You start off. You start off. You're kind of, it's like, if you're, it would be like a dating relationship. You're kind of easy. You're testing the waters. Or do you know the whole thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. I usually, I usually come you in feeling with a plan. Them out? Yeah. I usually come in with a plan. So, right. Let's make it a dating metaphor. I okay. love this. Or just okay. like meeting someone and trying to impress them. So yeah, you're sussing them out. You're using probably some of your best material up top, even though it's technically you're throwing it away because you don't, we're just warming up. We've just met each other for three seconds. You're not on my side yet. You're still like, who are you? So it's a little bit of palate cleansing, but it's stuff I know that is tried or true, tried and true. And then, then you, you have to listen. That is really the hardest thing, listening, mm. because you have to be very, I'll use the word brave because just the one that's coming to mind to listen, to actually hear what your audience, the person across from you is saying back to you, whether they're going, oh, that's interesting, or I'm not ready for this yet, or uh, I, or whatever, I'm in whatever state, you have to hear what they're saying. And then from there, you can make decisions. I can go, Oh, I'm going with my plan. They're super smart. They're super into it. They're super open. I've got a plan for exactly that person. Is there a that's collective consciousness? Is there like oh, a collective yeah. consciousness of the audience? Do they all kind of like go together with one feeling? They really do. Interesting. They really do. I wonder so, how that happens. Yeah. I mean, it's like crowd, but I think sociologists have written things about like basically crowd mentality. And we, we, they're talking about it more like when we think about like marches or protests or large events, but it, you know, it, it happens in any crowd, any theater, any comedy club. And sometimes I think, you know, we could have road scholars peppered throughout this crowd, but collectively they might be kind of like a dumbish oafish crowd or collectively they might be like just on fire or collectively 
Um, they might be, you know, just kind of seeming like they really want, they want dirty stuff. Like it is okay. amazing that they feed off of each other. Okay. And this is actually why these houses are designed how they are. It needs to be squished together. It needs to be dark because that does. All the energy needs it, to be transferable. Yes. Okay. Totally. Okay. Okay. So it's going yeah. well. So say it's going well. So you're staying on script now. Like the, the audience is in. Yeah. The audience is in. It's good. And so then if you want to experiment if you have something new that you're working on or something that's probably exciting, that's the most exciting and obviously the highest failure rate. Uh Right. uh So Mm -hmm. that's once you have them, once you're like, okay, now we, now they trust me. Now I can experiment because even if I fail, we will, we can probably recover. Okay. How do you recover from a failure? Say, say you got the Uh, audience going with you, but then you try something new and it fails. What, what, how do you bounce back from that? What do you say? Like, Oops, that I one mean, didn't admitting hit. it. Yeah, admitting it is fine because sometimes that diffuses if there is any sort of feeling in the crowd of like, oh my God, you know, sometimes people go, I can't watch stand up comics because if they fail, I feel so bad for them. Uh-huh. Some people say that. So if you fail and you acknowledge it, it usually diffuses that. And it was like, oh, good. They know. They how do know you acknowledge it's not it? So like, bad. How do you? So is I it mean, like you say it and no one laughs, or you say it and it's like, what does it feel like? And then what do you, how do you move? What is the next move? How do you? Yeah. I mean, you could brush it off. You could do like, well, that was a new one. I mean, (laughs) classic, or you could say something like, well, I thought that was funny earlier, but clearly (laughs) not for you guys. Or you can, you know, kind of go like, um, I'm just thinking of another possibility. You could be like, well, that works the other night, but you guys are clearly, you know, this kind of audience. And then you want to, you go back to tried or true you're just yeah. like, well i'm gonna go on the stuff that i know it works or often you find that and i like doing this too you can go into the audience and you can talk to them so basically you're just changing the energy it's it's almost like a, a very you know typical kind of technique for being on stage you, you got to change the energy and a good way to change the energy is you talk to them so now you're doing a totally different feeling in the crowd and it just it's a races, you know, now we're in a different, a tiny sorbet and now we're in a different feeling and then you can go back. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Man, you just have to be on your toes and you have to just energetically be so in tune at all times. Like, where do you feel the energy? Is it like in your stomach? Is it in your body? Like, how do you gauge it? I used to, um, you know, not anymore, but I feel like it's very much, I'm very expressive in my arms and my hands, but it's very much in my arms and my hands, which also grasp a microphone. But I used to come off stage. I'd be fine before the show, even if I was super nervous and I would be fine on stage. And then I would come off the stage and shake. It was like all of it was stored Uh. in me. Uh, so wow. I, I, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So now I find I do take a moment to like literally place my feet on the stage. It is the greatest thing to do. And you, if you can, it takes a while to do this. You stand in front of that microphone and you feel it feels like eons. But you stand and you do not say a word for like a second. Like when you and walk out, the first thing you do is just stand in silence a second it feels like nothing to the audience it feels like nine years to you what does that do for you it it tell it's a kind of a entire thing of like now me because as much as we want laughter and as much as we want i love it when it's just this you know sort of cacophony of energy and laughter and every second is filled but the truth is that it's the silence that is the most commanding. Mm. So you have as thing time have I, I on every single notebook I have in my entire uh, writing career I've written the words slow down mm. on the top of it because if you can allow yourself and I also have to think about this almost every show to say the thing and wait it will probably be it will often be rewarded. And when it is rewarded, it will be rewarded more than if you just like, okay, panic, next thing. Okay, panic, next thing. Because the, the that that moment never got its moment. You just moved no, on. It never so, got its moment. Yeah. And then the audience smells that you're not completely in authority. Oh, yes. And everyone, I think, this is just like my crowd mentality, um, um, feeling from being in so many crowds, the crowds really audiences as a collective want to be told what to do. They love that. Like we all want to relinquish control in a sense when we're audience we're in the audience. We're like, can we just give this to you? Can we yes. just, I, I want 90 minutes where I don't have to do this. Yes. You, you take it. You tell yes. me what to do. I'm here for that. Yes. 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 <gasps> I love that, man. You're so awesome and ballsy. I love it so much. Like literally you are just such a pioneer <laughs> so nice. in this world with of being a woman. I love Okay, so let's talk about your podcast, Parenting is a Joke. Oh, yeah. You just kind of launched it, and you're doing Broadway, off-Broadway? I'm doing, doing an off-Broadway run. I know, it's too what? much. How do you have time for all this? And you're a I, mom? Of a I don't. Baby, I don't. miracle Things baby? are suffering. Things are what? suffering. Yeah, that's, and you probably talk about that on your podcast, how as moms, I mean, 
like literally something has to give so we can never do something it all yes absolutely and uh you know they say time is a container you know but it is true sometimes you're just like i have to be you know i'm gonna have to be efficient i have 20 minutes and that is how long this is gonna take yes <laughs> because that's what i have uh and it's imperfect and sometimes i go all i want to do is have like five days of where i like lie up on a, I don't know, Marriott hotel bed and have nothing to do. It's yes. like, that becomes my dream. My dream is just of, uh, I say a Marriott hotel. Can we step it like, up? Like, can we go like Ritz Carlton? <laughs> yeah, Ritz Carlton. Let's, let's go five star here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got fret sheets and it's a Ritz Carlton. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the podcast is great. And the, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast is because I know so many people in the entertainment field, stand up field, who, quite recently became parents like there's it seemed like a bit of an explosion yeah and there are it is a very un it is an unfavorable match uh working at night performing at night traveling and touring and having especially a small child and so i think so many people didn't do it or they were at least weeded out by the lifestyle because it just didn't match. And also the persona, if you think of a stand-up comic on stage, you think of them as this like kind of cool, independent, like, you know, staying up till 3 a.m. at a diner after their shows or, you know, it's a very different vision than a parent. Right. Who yeah. has a little kid at home that they need to nurture. Right. And so I just noticed that all these people were doing it. I was like, how are they doing it? How are they doing it? It is. We need so information. Why? And, and I figured some people have figured out something. Some people probably haven't figured out something, but let's get let's get all of us together and talking about and it. And collect the data. And collect the data because I'm sure I know that like I'm not the only one with odd hours. I just happen to do stand-up, but there are people of all kinds of careers that are living not nine to fives and they're trying to figure it out. And there's not a lot that is speaking to you because all of the parent stuff, when it's like how to create the perfect morning, they're like, get up a half an hour before your kid. I'm like, okay, so I'm getting home at one and I'm getting up at five 30. That's not really no. working. No, that's not working. No. So, and there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. Yeah. So you're talking about, we need some alternative when, when you're living off on your own, this wild world that you can't fall into a perfect schedule and parenting routine. We need some good advice. What have you found out? What are some of your findings? What's some so, nuggets you can share with us? I mean, I think the, the one that comes up a lot is saying no, like actually, um, there is no work-life balance. I think we figured that out. That, yeah. that is a total myth that we're throwing that out the window. Don't even, th that is also kind of just a mean thing to say to women, mm -hmm. I think, because I don't think men are often spoken to about work-life balance being a father. Yeah. It's just, they just assume it's fine. Right. So, but women have to, you know, it all falls on the woman, all falls on the woman. So balance out the window but critical choices. So then we change the conversation. Let's talk about critical choices. And so you have to look at, you could farm it out. There's a lot of talking about the cost of success. So there is like, all right, you've, do you have some money to work with? Maybe you do. I don't have, I don't spend a lot on this kind of stuff because it's not really me and it's very expensive. I live in New York, but from childcare to sending out your laundry to sending do the food stuff like you get, you can, we live in a world where you can farm all of that stuff out. Maybe you farm some of it, the mm -hmm. stuff that's real 
the real uh, pain points Mm -hmm. in your household. There's that, you know, if you're just like, if I never had laundry, my life would be better. Like maybe that's worth a few thousand dollars. Yeah. If you have it. Yeah. For emotional peace of mind. So there's that, but then the critical choice is in the career. So then it is the step back and you go, what is the one or two things? Can't we, that's doing five things and saying yes to everything. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah, And it it will kill you. It's not worth it. Matter of fact, it was never worth it. Right. Right. But we just had the time and the, the hunger and the, you think, you think it's worth it when you're younger, but then you get to a certain point. You're like, no, you can't. The kid makes you really realize what's worth it. And also there is a, you know, and I know you've talked about this, but there is great power in no, because you start reanalyzing what your self-worth is Mm -hmm. and what your time is worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think we always talk about like that whole myth, like, oh, that model or whoever doesn't get up uh, for under so many millions. Sometimes I'm like, I don't think my plumber gets up for under like $70,000. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have a worth that you have to have it be. The money has to match. Yeah. So I actually made a chart, which is ridiculous, but it was the only way I could think to do it where I, I would put opportunities through this chart and it was five, um, five categories and they had to get over 50%. So I rated them out of 20. So at first it would be like, okay, here's an opportunity. Um, how creative stimulate, how creatively stimulating is this for me out of 20? How much time is it going to take? The least of time being really the most valued. So that would get a number. Um, how fun is it going to be? Like, is there a high fun right here that we get a number? Is this like a prestige? Is this a a career move? Like maybe it's not these things, but it would be such a good career move. I would be a fool not to consider it. That gets a number. And then of course, or is it just like, it's going to pay my mortgage for a few months money that would get. And then, so five things out of 20. And if it was 50 or above, I'd say Yes. Okay. That is a great way to evaluate. Yeah. So if you would not believe how many things were not 50 or above. (laughs) And, but because you run it through the test, you know, and then you can walk away with a clear mind and be like, okay, I can say no to that. And I feel confident about it because I ran it through my filters and I love that. And even if, and I did, sometimes I would still go, I go 45. I want to do it. I, sometimes I would still go, Oh, I want to do it. And And at least I would, I would at least get there and go, yeah, I'm glad I did this. I knew what I was getting into, but I'm glad I did this. Or I would go, you got to listen to those numbers, Ophira. Okay. (laughs) The numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. I love it. Man, you're amazing. I uh, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me really fast. Tell us about your off-Broadway show. And then I have one question to wrap up with, but I just have loved chatting with you. You're so wise. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us through your gift of stand-up comedy. You are the best. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I have a, for the rest of um, February, I have a off-Broadway show called Leaving a Mark, a comedy about scars because I, I am covered in scars uh, from different operations and situations. So it is it is a funny show, but it's also really quite intense and emotional. And I talk about tragedy. Uh, I mean, I, I think scars, physical scars in your body, I'm talking about right now, are the physical manifestation of the comedy equation Tragedy plus time mm. equals comedy, a, a scar. And so it's about body acceptance and identity, uh, all seen through how you see and how other see other people see you in your in your flesh. Has it felt so liberating and freeing to share all this and be so vulnerable? 
It is, you know, afterwards when I talk to people, the first thing they say, and it's curious, they go, that was so intimate, mm. which I find so like they, you know, they say it's funny and, da, 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 and we love it, but that was so intimate keeps coming up as a word. And I find that very, very interesting uh, because I think, I think that's the, that's the conversations I like having mm-hmm. like, even, even on stage stuff that feels really like one-on-one. Uh, and it's not always the case. I think there's a lot of like, you know, fourth wall. Let's just, let's just dance. Let's just dance down the path, everybody. Yeah. Which is a valid form of entertainment too. But this not with Ophira. Different. No not way. <laughs> She's going to hit us hard. And I love, I love you for that. Thank you so much for hitting the topics hard and letting us feel like people who maybe didn't have the ability or the capacity or even know how to tap into those feelings. They can hear you express them and be like, Oh, I feel like that's what art does is be like, okay, I get it. Someone sees me. I don't have to feel alone. You know, I don't have to feel so like in my own world with this. And thank you for helping me to express it. You know, I feel like that's what art is. That's amazing. You're so amazing. Okay. My last question, leave your light. What do you want people to know? It's just super open-ended. Yeah. I think just, you know, I think we covered it, but I think if uh, I, even though there's a lot out there, if there is a story inside of you that you you don't want to tell because you think that you'll fail at it, I say do whatever you can to tell that story in any way you can find it, a way to do it. I think you will feel completely liberated. Amen. You'll liberate yourself and then you'll also others. end up liberating others. That's right. That's so right. It starts that's, off that's what we're the, here for. Yeah. It starts off with the fear of like, what are they going to say about me? But then once you liberate yourself, then you realize, oh my God, I am helping others. It becomes a gift for others. Yeah. And, and you just, uh, there's nothing more powerful than the truth. So if you're just truthful about something that is real and important to you, the failure rate is like less than zero. So all you have to be is truthful. Yep. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Afira. You're amazing. Oh, my pleasure. Parenting Thank is you. a joke. Everyone check it out and follow you along. Where can people follow you? Where is all your information? Oh, yeah. You can follow me at Ophira E on all the socials. You can check out Parenting It's a Joke on uh, your iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. And um, yeah, you can go to my website, OphiraEisenberg.com. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Yes, you too. Bye. Okay, bye. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.